0: Today our message is called Building Blocks of a Mason, A Personal Reflection on Foundations Laid. Let's pray. Gracious Lord, we thank you for your Holy Spirit that will be poured out if we ask, and I do ask for that today. Lord, you know that I don't have anything to give, but you have everything to give, And I want to be attached to You so that whatever comes out of my mouth will be ordained by Your Spirit. Lord, I pray that You'd hide me behind the cross. In Jesus' name, amen. A couple of nights ago, we heard a powerful message from Pastor Stephen Conway on the life of Nehemiah. I want to touch briefly on that story with you this morning as we get right into our message today. In Nehemiah chapter 2, we see Nehemiah going out and surveying the situation of Jerusalem. And as you know from the story, hopefully, the walls of Jerusalem had been broken down. The gates had been burned. And when Nehemiah had heard about this, He was grieved in his heart, and he asked permission and was given permission to go to Jerusalem for a period of time and help to rebuild and stabilize the walls of the city. And as he had surveyed the walls of the city and looked at them, It says in Nehemiah chapter 2 and verse 18, And I told them of the hand of my God, which had been good upon me, and also of the king's words that he had spoken to me. So they said, Let us rise and build. But you know, friends, any time we try to journey forward for the cause of Christ, the devil will never sit back and allow that to happen with some kind of resistance. There will many times be resistance from within, and there will definitely be resistance from without. And we see that in verse 18. Continuing on, Then they set their hands to this good work. But then Sanballat, verse 19, The Hornite, Tobiah the Ammonite official, and Geshem the Arab heard of it. They laughed at us and despised us and said, What is this thing that you are doing? Will you rebel against the king? So I, Nehemiah speaking here, verse 20, I answered them and said to them, The God of heaven himself will prosper us. Therefore, we his servants will arise and build. Somebody ought to say amen to that. But you have no heritage or right or memorial in Jerusalem. Then in chapter 3, the Bible actually delineates for us what each family did in their specific portion of the wall. Depending upon where they lived, they were responsible for a specific portion of that wall that was in front of them. And in chapter 3, the very first verse talks about the leadership of the church being the ones that actually started the process of building, rebuilding the wall first. Verse 1 of chapter 3, Then Eliashib, the high priest, rose up with his brethren, the priests, and built the sheep gate. <clears throat> they consecrated it and hung its doors. They built as far as the tower of the hundred and consecrated it. Then as far as the tower of the hundred Of Hananel. And then it goes on and describes the rest of them. But you know, friends, not everybody within the church of God shoulders in to help carry the weight. Because we see in verse 5 of chapter 3 next to them, the Tokoites made repairs, but their nobles did not put their shoulders to the work of their Lord. It is so important for us, brethren, brothers and sisters, as we move forward with the work of God, we cannot become discouraged if people around us do not have the same mission and vision that we do and impetus to carry forward the work of God. We must not be discouraged because our eyes are always on the Savior and we are moving by the unction of the Holy Spirit, not the unction of those around us. That should be our only motivation. Well, as the story goes, in verse 6 of chapter 4, Nehemiah says, So we built the wall, and the entire wall was joined together up to half its height. Four. Notice this. The people had a mind to build. And, as a matter of fact, In chapter 6, verse 15, So the wall was finished on the 25th day of Elul, in 52 days. If we as a people, corporately, by the unction of the Holy Spirit, understanding that each of us has a role to play, a specific gift set, If each of us take responsibility for the portion of the wall that is in front of us, God's work can move forward quickly and rapidly. Can you say amen? When I was principal at Indiana Academy, for those of you that don't know this, most every school has what's called a pre-session where the faculty and the teachers come together and we spend the first uh, week before school starts talking about different policies, coming together, most importantly, spiritually connecting with God and one another. And for this specific pre-session, we talked about Nehemiah and the building of the wall and for that specific worship theme for that week, I asked our maintenance director, Tom Morrow, do we have any bricks laying around? As a matter of fact, we did. We had a pile of bricks. And for one of our early morning worship sessions, we actually went out onto the campus and, as a faculty, built a retaining wall. And Pastor Kelly came over and joined us too. Friends, church, school, church, school. And each teacher, each person involved with the ministry of the academy took a brick and laid it in place, symbolizing that each one of us in the work of educating young people have a specific responsibility. Each one of us has a brick. Can you say amen? And I believe that wall is still standing. Because, you know, it's it's really a neat thing to be a brick mason. It's really a neat thing to be a brick mason because a mason has a specific mentality. A mason knows that walls are built one brick at a time and that it takes some time for the wall to go up. A mason has a picture of the end product in mind before they even begin to build. A mason knows that the placement of each brick is important because each subsequent brick rests upon those below. Are you listening to me this morning? A mason appreciates working on a building that will last a long, long time and will not be blown down easily or knocked over. Things that a mason builds become in some ways a monument to their commitment to the building that has gone up. And wherever a mason goes in the community that they live, they are reminded of the work and the effort that has gone into building those buildings because in most cases, if the building is built well and sound, it will be there for decades and decades and decades. Did you know that brick masons, stone masons, support their communities by building churches, homes, and schools? Masons build churches, homes, and schools. Friends, are you listening this morning? When I was a sophomore in high school, I went to Adelphian Junior Academy. I grew up in Holly, Michigan. For those of you that are familiar with Holly, Michigan, Adelphian Academy was a senior 9-12 boarding academy with the Holly Elementary right down the road from the academy. I didn't have the opportunity to go to Adelphian Academy because the academy closed at that time, in 1987 with a combination of Adelphian and Cedar Lake, which then became Great Lakes Administ Academy. So when it came time for me to transition from my sophomore year, because I'm grateful, Adelphian Junior Academy was, as the name says, a junior academy, and it had grades all the way up to 10th grade. But as I was looking, as we as a family were looking at what the options were going to be, the cost of the academy was quite prohibitive. The tuition was quite high. And while we had everything that we needed as a family, as the Lord provided all of our needs, we were not a family that had a lot of discretionary funds. And as such, the idea of a tuition that was that expensive looked like a significant barrier to my continued journey in Adventist education. So we weren't really sure, my parents weren't really sure what we were going to do. Was I going to go to the local public school? What were the options? Available, because there were not as many i i 'm showing my age, of course, but there were not as many options then as there are now, and yet even with the options that we have now, are those really actually options, friends one Sabbath came into church, and if you 've ever been to the Holly. 7th Church—it's Church, it's a, it has a really big, beautiful lobby area, and it has uh, doors on one side of the sanctuary, then double set of doors, and then another set of doors just like here, and every single one of those doors would always have a deacon with a bulletin in hand and a ready handshake in the other hand. And just to go back to what I talked about yesterday, I cannot tell you how important it is for us, when it comes to young people coming into our churches, to have welcoming, loving, smiling greeters who make sure that our young people know that we are so incredibly glad that their presence has passed through our doorways. And I can tell you, when I look back on my experience in the Holly Seventh-day Adventist Church, I look back with fond memories because I just encountered all kinds of people that smiled at me and showed me that they were so glad that I was there, from my pastor all the way through to my Sabbath school teachers and beyond. And this particular day, I walked into the church, I was cornered by one of the deacons. His name was Kenny Cole. Kenny Cole was a brick mason. Now, listen to me. Kenny Cole was a brick mason. Kenny Cole when he shook your hands, even as an elderly man, when I knew him as a teenager, his hands were huge and big and strong. And when Brother Cole shook your hand, you knew that you were having a handshake. There was no question. And this particular Sabbath... Kenny Cole cornered me in the lobby of the Holly Seventh-day Adventist Church and said to me, I've heard that you might not be able to go to the academy. Now, I've talked to my parents. They don't know how he found that out. But, you know, brick masons, are always looking for the next available job. Brick masons are always looking at a place where they can build. If we are open to the Lord's leading, the Holy Spirit is always going to put across our path things that He needs and wants us to do. And I don't know how, Kenny Cole found out from a human, from a human perspective. But I know how Kenny Cole found out from a supernatural divine perspective. Somebody told Kenny Cole that Jeremy Hall, about to move from his sophomore to his junior year in academy, was not going to be able to go to the boarding school, Great Lakes Adventist Academy, because there were significant financial challenges that were standing in the way of that next step in his journey. And he cornered me and he said, I heard that you can't go to the academy because of finances. And he said to me, I wasn't able to go to the academy when I was your age because I had to stay and work on the farm. He said, I don't want to see that happen to you. So I am committing that I'm going to put money on your school bill every month so that you can go to the academy. And I did. And I also had support from my dear grandmother, who also helped support my journey to Great Lakes Adventist Academy as a junior. Kenny Cole was the instigator in flipping a switch and starting a series of events that forwarded my opportunity to attend Great Lakes Adventist Academy, which I will tell you from a personal testimony, not as superintendent of education, who most would think, of course, would support Adventist education, I will tell you as, from a personal testimony, my two years at Great Lakes Adventist Academy were some of the most formative years of my entire life. My years at Great Lakes Adventist Academy were a powerful part of the foundation that was laid in my life, both from my home, my church, and then the school. I had the opportunity for leadership, I was a senior RA, I was a late night RA. I had the opportunity to participate and in interface with young people in real peer to peer interactions. I was surrounded by amazing and loving staff and administration. Our principal, Dr. Ray Davis, kind, supportive. So many awesome teachers, Mr. Carter, Mr. Riker, Mrs. Heslop, Mrs. Peterson, Miss Hall, just all of these individuals, my dean, Dean Han, my gymnastics coach, Fred Matusik, all of these people had decided when they started working at the academy that they were going to be responsible to build their portion of the wall. Friends, I don't know what would have happened if I wouldn't have gone to Great Lakes Adventist Academy. If I would have gone to public school as an okay athlete, I probably would have gotten involved in sports and had challenges with Sabbath. There could have been all kinds of other things that would have come into my life that would have made my Ability to stay on a spiritual track much more difficult. But you see, Great Lakes Adventist Academy was congruent with the the interfacing I was having in my church and my home. Are you listening to me? And because of that, it helped round me out more as a citizen of this world and by God's grace and Jesus Christ's love and His blood a citizen of heaven someday. Years later, when I was working back at the very academy I attended, I'd gone to Adventist education before that, obviously. I'd also been homeschooled for four and a half years. By the way, little sidebar if homeschooling is done the way God ordained it to be, that's Adventist education too. As Pastor Kelly said yesterday, the parent is the first pastor in the home, and the parent's also the first teacher. Can't ever forget that. I'd been in Adventist education. And if I would have had a gap in my experience and not continued forward and gone to public school, I don't have any idea what my journey would have been. But I suspect that my ability to stay on a track of spiritual formation would have been much more challenging and difficult because of the environment I would have been interfacing with. And also, friends, because I attended the academy, I believe that was a much more natural next step to attend andrews university where where i ended up finding and marrying the most amazing woman in this world who by the way i had gone to school with at the holly elementary school when i was in first grade So Adventist education, friends, has had a profound and powerful impact on me. And then, seven years after graduating with my master's degree, After graduating from academy, seven years after graduating from academy, rather, I then went back and became the boys' dean at the very school that I graduated with and then became colleagues with the very individuals who had been my faculty as a student. Boy, it sure is hard to call the faculty that you respect so much by their first name. And that was an additional profound impact on my life. as I was a boys' dean and then chaplain, religion teacher, spent 10 years at that academy. And one day when I was boys' dean, I had felt within my heart a desire to call up Mr. Cole and just tell him thank you for what he had done for me. Because you see, he put $100 on my school bill every month for two straight years, and so did my grandmother. So I called Mr. Cole up and he was even older by that time and his health was failing and you could hear it in his voice. And I said, Mr. Cole, I just want to thank you for what you did, talking to me, supporting me financially so that I could attend the academy. And you know what Mr. Cole said to me? He said, you don't owe me a penny. You don't owe me a penny. You see, Mr. Cole understood that there is an investment that cannot be quantified from a dividend standpoint in dollars and cents. Can you say amen? There is an investment that an individual makes into the life of another person that only eternity will show the dividends and the results of that investment. And as a brick mason, Mr. Cole, for decades and decades, had been putting bricks on a plumb line, building foundations brick by brick, He even built my in-law's home, which is still standing since 1968. And there's no cracks. There's no issues. Mr. Cole knew that in order to build a structure, it takes time. It takes careful placement. But when you're done with it and you see the results... It becomes something that is long-lasting. And I believe Mr. Cole took that mentality of being a brick mason and he translated it and began to understand that there was an even greater monument that could be built in the investment that one can make in another human being. Can you say amen? Amen. Oh, friends, we need more Kenny Cole's. And for those of you that are the brick masons in our church building up and investing in human lives, I just want to say thank you so much. Thank you so much. I went on into administration, and one of the reasons why I went into administration is, once again, Adventist education. I was sitting as chaplain Bible teacher in my principal's office, Dr. Davis, who had been my principal as a student. And he, in the conversation, said, someday when you're a principal, and I thought, huh? I hadn't even thought about it. But then the Lord started opening up my mind and putting burdens on my heart for leadership and I went down to Indiana Academy and then came back to the Michigan Conference and if it wasn't for Adventist education, I wouldn't be standing here right now. But I will tell you this, friends. It's a little bothersome to me sometimes that they call us superintendents because there's nothing super about us. The people who are super are the teachers in the classrooms ministering to those students. And the person that's really super is the God in heaven. He is the superhero. So I can just be a super attendant to the work of the Lord. A super attendant. But here we are. We desperately, friends, need brick masons. Adventist education is under pressure. We need your prayers. God's going to bless us though. I believe that if we follow his path, as I said earlier, heaven does not understand the concept of a down economy. Praise God for that. And there are resources abundant. But we need individuals. Even if you have put your own children through school, stay engaged If you don't have any children, sponsor a child. You are investing in a living temple, friends, that by God's grace is going to translate into eternity. You see, we're at a crossroads. We're at a crossroads. As we finish, I want to point you to one more passage. Second Kings chapter twelve. Second Kings Actually thirteen. My apologies. Second Kings chapter thirteen starting at verse fourteen. Elisha had become sick with the illness of which he would die. Then Joash, the king of Israel, came down to him and wept over his face and said, Oh, my father, my father, the chariots of Israel and their horsemen. He came and made this big show to Elisha. Quite a high compliment to call someone the chariots of Israel and their horsemen. Elisha didn't feed into that. (laughs) His next statement Immediately after, similar to Naaman, go wash in the river, he said to the king in verse 15, take a bow and some arrows. So he took himself a bow and some arrows. Then he said to the king of Israel, put your hand on the bow. So he put his hand on the bow. And Elisha put his hands on the king's hands. And he said, open the east window. And he opened it. And Elisha said, Shoot. And he shot. And he said, The arrow of the Lord's deliverance and the arrow of deliverance from Syria, for you must strike the Syrians at Aphet till you have destroyed them. Elisha was setting up the king to understand the mission that he was to carry forward. Oh, but the king, the king failed. Then Elisha said in verse 18, "'Take the arrows.' So he took them. And he said to the king of Israel, "'Strike the ground.' So he struck three times, and then the Bible says, "'And stopped.'" And the man of God was angry with him and said, "'You should have struck five or six times.'" Then you would have struck Syria till you had destroyed it. But now you will strike Syria only three times. You see, friends, when, when Elisha put his hands over top of the king's hands, the king should have felt the power of God coming through Elisha. How do I know that? Because down in verse 21, when they were burying a man after Elisha died, They spotted the raiders, and they put the man down into the tomb of Elisha. When he touched the bones of Elisha, he revived and stood on his feet. The king should have known when Elisha put his hands over him, and he saw that arrow go, and he heard what Elisha said. He should have known that the power of Elisha's God Could be accessed by him and that he could completely defeat the Syrians. But no, friends, he was struggling with the condition that we as the Laodicean church are struggling with now the lukewarm condition. It wasn't like the king didn't strike the ground at all, but he didn't strike the ground six times either. He was lukewarm. Revelation 3, verse 15. I know your works, Jesus said, that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish you were cold or hot. So then because you are lukewarm and neither cold or hot, I will vomit you out of my mouth. Friends, we see in the story of Elisha at the end of his life, The same condition in the king that we are struggling with today. We have arrows in our hands. Each of us in this life represents a brick. But here's the interesting thing we can choose which wall we get to be put into. There's only two choices. You cannot serve two masters. You will either love the one and hate the other or hate the one and love the other. Can two walk together unless they be agreed? Friends, there's no middle ground. There's only two choices. We're either on God's side or the devil's. And let me tell you something humbly, friends. The Laodicean condition has to end Because if it remains the same, Christ of Revelation is going to spit it out of his mouth. But we know that the Seventh-day Adventist church is going to go through until the coming of Jesus. Can you say amen? And if the church is going to be carried through until Jesus comes, the condition of the people in the church will eventually either become very hot or very cold. Which wall do you want to be put into? This life is passing by, but yet we can all be bricks in the hand of Christ to be used in the foundation of a child. Can you say amen? We need more Kenny Coles. And by the way, it is always they that give and support that receive the greatest blessing. We need the blessing of giving just as much as that child needs the blessing of Adventist education. Friends, in closing, I have a passion. Can you tell? (laughs) If we are aligned with God's mission, Adventist education will be and is an essential part of the end-time work of the church. Don't you want to bury your priorities? Don't we, myself included, want to bury our priorities in the blessing of the Jordan and see the glory of the latter temple to be greater than even the glory of the first temple? You see, friends, when Israel built the second temple. Some of the individuals, the elderly, had seen the glory of the first temple. And from an outside perspective, it paled in comparison. But Haggai, at the end of his book, said that the glory of the latter temple was going to be greater than the first temple. And you know why? It's because our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, creator of the universe, would inhabit that second temple. And so the glory would be greater. And friends, that same Jesus is alive and well today. And if we allow him to, he will inhabit our schools, he will inhabit our churches, he will inhabit our homes. And the glory of God's end time church Will be greater than even it was at the beginning. I want to be part of that, friends, don't you? Let's pray. Oh, Father, we can do nothing without you, but we can do everything with you. Lord, we're pressed on every side, but just like the children of Israel were pressed on every side with the Egyptian army behind. The walls of the mountains on either side and the Red Sea in front of them, you provided a solution that from human eyes wouldn't have even seemed possible. But because you are who you are, you moved the waters and carried your people through. Oh, Lord, please carry your church through. Help us as individuals to look in front of us at the responsibility that we have, not to the left, not to the right, not to see if our neighbor's doing what they should be doing. Lord, help us to be responsible for the part of the wall that's in front of us. Help us to be that brick that you can hold in your hand and put into the walls. And we'll give you all the glory and honor and praise because it is yours alone. In Jesus' name, amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse